0: Welcome to the Backbone Podcast, where we will discussing all things pertaining Black motherhood, real mothers, real conversation, real black. We are your host.
1: Hey, it's your girl Jerica. Hey, everybody, it's Kia. Hey, y'all, it's Katrina. All right, so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can protect our children, even when they're not with us. We're going to discuss the. Kamaya Mobley story briefly, and then we're also going to discuss the strong Black woman narrative. Okay. So firstly, there is a sad news story going around in Houston, Texas, where a six-year-old boy was sexually assaulted by a 12-year-old boy on the school bus. And from what I'm getting from the article, it has been going on, or it was going on for a while, I think maybe a few months. And it was done to a young black boy. I'm not sure if the assaulter was black as well. doesn't really matter. But the little boy was a young black boy. And it's just black men, black children already have to go through so much. And it's like us as black women, we want to do everything we can to overly protect our black sons because they are not even meant for this world, as it seems, especially not in America. So it's like, you send your son to school, you send them on the bus where you think they will be safe and they're not. And it's like, what can we even do about it? Because we can't physically be on the school bus with them. We just kind of are leaving the trust in the the hands of the bus driver or the hands of the school, the teachers. And it's just failing us over and over again. It's just honestly tragic, honestly, very sad. And it's like, how can we protect our children? Yeah, that's super
0: sad. And I think from what I remember when I had seen the articles, the little boy who was assaulted didn't obviously didn't fully understand what was happening to him. But right. he knew that the older boy was in trouble and he was just saying, can we give him another chance? Like mm-hmm. the empathy that he had for the person who assaulted him. And I'm pretty sure both, not only the little boy who was assaulted, but the one who was doing the assaulted assaulting. Has probably had something happen to him for him to even be in that space to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's an all-around sad situation. And we we can't protect our children from everything. We try as much as we can. I think something that's really important when our children are going out into the world, into school or whatever, and they're away from us, is just teaching them how to be vocal and teaching them you have to talk with your kids. And I'm pretty sure the mom would talk to her son, how school, all of that. But you have to make them aware of what is not okay. You don't let nobody touch you. You don't let nobody touch you in these places. You don't let anybody Mm -hmm. let you feel uncomfortable. You have to bring awareness to those things because a lot of times, I mean, we know that, but we don't, I don't think parents sit down and explain those things to their kids. They just assume if something happened that the kid is going to be like, oh, this and that's not, the case kids don't always operate like that so you have to make them aware and it's not like you saying this is going to happen to you but you have to let them know that things happen things can happen and how to how they can be able to guard themselves when they are not with you
1: yeah and I was also reading on the article that how the mom found out is because her son uh, got off the bus or came home and his backpack was missing and I'm assuming maybe the boy was like, oh, I left it on the bus. So the mom contacted the school and was saying, you know, my son's backpack is missing on the bus. Can you guys check the camera? And they checked the cameras and that's how they saw it. So it's like, yeah. it had already been going on for several months. Like, what if the little boy never lost his backpack? How often do they check the cameras? Do they even check the camera? Like, what exactly. are the cameras there for? Is it, can y'all check them daily? Like, I mean, is there time for that? And it's sad. And it's just like, we send our children to school to be safe, to learn, to get an education. And it's like, we already know like the public school system is like just getting worse and worse every year. So it's like for people who don't have any other option, but to send their school, send their children to school on the bus or to the public school situation, it's like, what are we to do? Can't send them on the bus because something might happen to them. We can't send them to school because somebody probably going to shoot up the school. It's just like, it's honestly so sad. And it's like, we need solutions for this. And it's like, what what is going to be done to keep our children safe? Yeah, that is horrible.
0: That's a big reason why I don't put my kid on the bus because of the simple fact is kids are not vocal and kids don't want to get their friends in trouble and stuff like that. But as far as those two kids, it seemed like them being such of a big age difference, it should have been somewhere where the younger kids are sitting in the front versus with the older kids. I don't even understand that. They're not even on the same level. They ain't got nothing to talk about. They sitting in the same seat. Why are they even in the same seat? Period. Like, you should have, it should be a bus monitor. It should be the younger kids in the front, the older kids in the back. And yeah, they need to start checking cameras frequently. But I am an advocate for parents being very open with their kids about being touched. What's appropriate, inappropriate, if somebody touch you, where, where you need to automatically tell, bathrooms, who you're only supposed to be in the stall by yourself, like nobody's supposed to come in there. Somebody touch your pee-pee or your little Lucy, then you have to come tell because I can't do anything if you don't tell your mom. So I'm real stern on letting kids know as soon as you decide to let your kids go to school. I don't care how old they are. Little kids understand too. As yeah. young as they understand. You can talk to them in their terms where they can understand. This is what needs to happen. Do not ever let anybody. And that goes for, if it's a family member, or whatever, you have to let it know. These, this, I'm your mama. I'm the only person that's supposed to be examining you down here or any of it. If I'm not there, and if it ain't no doctor and I'm in a the room, then you don't let it happen. Hmm. Yes. And teaching your kids that there are no secrets because people be doing shit to kids and try to tell them like, oh, this is our secret. Don't tell anybody or try to manipulate them with that. Ain't right. no nothing yeah. secrets. OK, you need to talk to them about it all. There are no secrets. Exactly. If anybody ever tells you that this is a secret between me and you, red flag, you need to let me know. Exactly. Because, yeah, people, they 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 be trying to manipulate manipulate kids into not being vocal Yep. and then threaten kids about i'ma hurt your mama you have to let your kids know i'm the baddest on this earth and okay nobody- oh, period
1: <laughs> now and that, that right there i feel like that is really the energy you have to come with with your children because almost every single story i've heard about a kid maybe being molested by a family member or not even a family member, they'll say, oh, don't tell your mom or I'm gonna hurt your mom or don't tell your dad or I'm gonna kill him, da-da-da. You need to let your children know that nobody is capable of doing anything to me. Even though that may not be true, growing up, you need to instill that in them. I am the baddest thing walking here. Nobody is gonna hurt me or touch me when it comes to me protecting you, okay? And, And
0: at the end of the day, and my kid knows, I let it be known all the time, if somebody do anything to you that is not right, you let me know and she already know my mama gonna handle it. I'm gonna handle it. Cause I'm the best. I don't feel like nobody can take me down.
1: I'm the best when it comes to you. Thank you. And we got to always keep that energy and always tell our children that because that may be the thing that keeps them from being open with you. They love you so much and they care for you so much. Oh, I'm not going to tell my mom so-and-so did this to me because I don't want my mom to be hurt. No, I don't want you to ever think that. I want you to think, yeah, as soon as as soon as any situation happens, God forbid, the first person I'm telling is my mom because I know my mom got my back, and I know that nothing's going to happen to. Her. I mean, that's the type of energy we have to give to our children. I completely agree. Hmm. Now, not to stay on that topic too long because that's very a very sensitive topic, but kind of moving on to the next, there was a national news story years ago. I'm not sure exactly the year, but it's the Kamaya Mobley story. If you listeners have heard of that, where The young baby, Kamaya Mobley, was taken from the hospital by a woman who was portraying to be a nurse. She took the baby, left the hospital, drove states away, and the mother never saw the daughter again until she was, I believe, like 18, 17, 18 years old. And it was a national news story. They were searching for Kamaya. They thought she was dead. They literally had no idea what happened to this baby, but she's in a completely different state living a pretty good life as to what the movie and the interviews have saying, said with a completely different woman who is raising her, honestly, very well. So my thing is I watched that movie before I became a mother. So I was kind of looking at it as, man, that's so sad that someone stole this lady's mother, but Kamaya only knows, well, I can't even remember the lady who stole her, but Kamaya. Literally the only mother that she knows is the woman who stole her. And from what Kamaya has said in interviews, she had a pretty amazing life. She never lacked for anything. She had a loving family, support. She did what she wanted. She had a great life. Lo and behold, she was kidnapped at birth. So before I became a mother, I was just like really feeling sad for Kamaya because I'm just like, wow, I can't believe the only mother she's known is turning out to not really be her mother. After I became a mother instantly switched. I am now thinking, like, I can't believe that I'm just kind of putting myself in the biological mother's shoes. Like, I can't believe that happened to her. Like, I can't imagine what she went through. Like, I'm not even really thinking about the other woman or, like, Kamaya, how they're feeling. I'm just instantly thinking about the mother and her feelings. So, it's just crazy how once you become a parent, your views and your thoughts on things can completely switch. Yes, I remember hearing about this story and
0: it's really crazy it's like okay so kamaya was raised by and i forget the other lady name was raised by the lady who abducted her had a great life then when it was discovered that she had been kidnapped or that, that wasn't her biological mom and all of that the you would think like oh she's gonna be like i don't know i think initially in my mind it's like you'd be like oh my god you would hate the person who kidnapped you. You did this to me. Yeah. I want to find my mom type of energy. But when the, per, it's like that Stockholm syndrome thing. Mm, like when yeah. the person who, but the person who took her was loving on her and provided her a great life. And she, all of this. And so she, she's not connected with her biological family. She, from what I remember, it was like she desired to meet them and know who they were and build, relationships, but it was hard because she still was with her abducted family because she still got love for them. So it was like tension between the family. And as a mother, I know it hurts to be like, but you're my baby. And it's got to hurt super hard to, for one, for your, your child to be taken from you at birth. And then all of a sudden your child resurfaces, but your child doesn't necessarily Connect with you in that way, like identify you as the mother, yes, she recognizes that you're her biological mother, but she doesn't feel like you're her mom, so that's like super heartbreaking, but then there's another part of me that thinks like, do you feel like it's better because I know it's like I know as a mother that's heartbreaking, but it's like do you just feel grateful that, regardless of the relationship that you do or don't have, that she is alive and well and she was loved on versus they find her and she had been through years of abuse or right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's it's so many factors and so many ways to feel. It's like, I just could imagine that's like, that's a lot. And the, I remember her mom was saying like, she's kind of just having to give up on the relationship with her because what was it that she, she still identifies the other ladies, like really her mom. It's like, she's not going to, disconnect from those that family because that was who she grew up with that was her family that was love and that's hard for her biological family to
1: accept.
0: so it's like they have to distance themselves and I understand that too because that's painful but it's like is that the right thing to do or do you just it's your child so you never give up just like you never gave up hope that you would find your child alive do you just always continue to hope that you can build that relationship back or now that your child is an adult and it seems like they've made a decision, you just respect it and let it go. It's like mm. I can imagine. I have always been I don't know, even before I was a mother, I always watch stuff like that and I sympathize with the parents who lost the kid in the first place. Cause it seemed like every time it's like nobody comes back and just fully love on the biological parent. And this is like I've been, I've been in this space of loss for so long because when you have a child especially for a mom it's like an instant bond the moment the baby is in your belly it's like you grow this attachment to this baby and in her case to be ripped from her arms as a newborn and you you're not knowing if your kid is alive dead, beating all of that so she went through all of that emotion for so long praying and hoping that her child comes back and then to not come back, to come back. And then you just don't treat me as a mother or this love that I feel like, I, the love that I have for you, you don't have the same love for me. That is a devastating feeling and I can feel her on that. And it's like, yeah, you're my child, but after so long of pushing me and pushing me and pushing me away, everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has a breaking point. And it's not that she doesn't love her anymore. She's hurt. She's hurt that after all these years of yearning for this, her child, that she never wanted to get her child. So it's like a stranger walked into her house and never, her child never reappeared to her. Mm-hmm. And so that's just so devastating. And for me, as I have, I'm fortunate to never have to experience being a kid who has been raised by somebody else or and took it from my parent. But I'm a person that I am very loyal and honesty. And for me, I feel like no matter who you are, because I deal like this in my own personal life. If I would have found out that my mom wasn't my mom and she lied to me all this time, instantly I like you still got a love for the person, but I wouldn't even want to deal with her because you didn't lie to me my whole entire life like my life my life is a lie and I I get how she's confused and all of that but it's like this lady and this man has been waiting on you for years to come like and I get how she- the mom hurt and she's angry and she's she's done with it and at this point she's an adult so she can make the decisions of what she wants to make she don't have to be in the house because she's an adult at the end of the day but I can understand the mama. <laughs> I absolutely, I can completely understand. Like that's super heartbreaking. Super heartbreaking. And I can understand the the confusion that the girl Kamaya feels. I think, like Jericho said, I think I probably would have felt like my whole life is a lie. Like I don't want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. But for her, she feels like she had a great life. She grew up. She loved her. Like that is mom to her. And yeah, despite the circumstances of what happened because she don't have no real collection of that. She don't, it's not like she was old enough to, she was five and I remember my mom took it from her like she was a baby. So, mm-hmm. that's gotta be super confusing and she gonna need therapy and healing for a long time. And maybe in the future as she gets older, she deals with some things her and her mother could really build that bond and that relationship. But, that's tough.
1: And I feel like if Kamaya does choose to have children, I feel like once she has children, she might be able to go into the mindset of what her mom is feeling, because Mm -hmm. there are truly some things that you, like for most situations, people, you know, have opinions and thoughts until you go through that situation, you have no idea what you would do. Or Mm -hmm. for her, it's like, until she becomes a mother and has that type of connection with her child, she, you know, her mindset may completely change, but also, mm, yeah, the biological mother was saying how she's asked the court to like stop contact and things like that from Kamaya and the woman who kidnapped her. And I feel like there's really only so much that they can do. But that's another thing the mom was saying, like Kamaya continuously reaches out to the mother or the mother reaches out to her because obviously she's in prison right now. But I mean, I feel like there's really nothing she could do to stop that, because if the courts are not going to order it, and also Kamaya is an adult. She's going to do what she wants, whether it was right or not. So yeah, I definitely sympathize with the mother. And it's just like I hope that one day they can come to terms. And like I hope that Kamaya can kind of feel what her mother is going through because me personally, I just could never imagine going through something like that. So I definitely sympathize with the mom. I sympathize with Kamaya as well though. So
0: Yeah. And like you said, I think it's it'll probably take her to become a mother herself to kind of start to see things differently. But that's yeah. a really that's a really difficult situation. So even still I think it's gonna be difficult. But I wish them the best. I really yeah. her mom, I sent her all the love because that's just absolutely devastating. Like mm-hmm. I just I couldn't imagine. Yeah. That's heartbreaking.
1: Okay. So going on to our last topic is the strong black woman narrative. So growing up That was something I heard probably weekly from people saying, oh, she's a strong Black woman. Your mom, a strong Black woman. Isn't it great to be a strong Black woman? But it's like, when you think about that, is that a compliment? It's like, I don't want to be a strong Black woman. It can come with so much. It could be a compliment, but also it could be something that can kind of tear you down. It's like people go around saying that a single mother struggling, maybe having four or five children, one job, having to do it all on her own. She's depressed. She's going through postpartum. She missing bills. Oh, she's a strong black woman. Cause she making it happen yeah. Or you around and say this woman, she's very educated. She's married. She has help. She's got the career everyone wants. She's a strong black woman. So what really is a strong black woman? And is it a compliment? Because when I think of it, I don't necessarily think of it as a compliment and if someone asks me do I want to be a strong black woman I will probably say no.
0: <laughs> For real. I don't think it's a compliment. It's like positions that we're forced to be in. Nobody want to have to be a single mom. Nobody want to have to struggle by themselves. No woman wants to have to make all the decisions. We are such society has forced black women in particular to have to be so much in her masculine energy that it doesn't leave room for her to really be a woman and to really be soft and to really rest. It's like, you're a man in a fucking skirt. Like, oh, you're so strong. You got this. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do all the heavy lifting all the time. I need help. I am not, I'm not that. I mean, I can be if I have to, but who wants to do that? Who wants to wear themselves down to the ground? I don't find that to be a compliment because Who's the, the strong white woman? What? What? Huh? Okay. No, no seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like. Seriously. Mm, <laughs> mm, you don't hear that because they got their support. They got it. It's a different thing. And for black women, it's always this, this strong. Mm, mm, I don't want to be
1: nobody daddy. I don't want to do none of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and look, listen to this definition. I Googled what is a strong black woman? It says an archetype of how the ideal black woman should act has been characterized by three components, emotional restraint, independence, and caretaking. That does not sound strong to me. Like emotional restraint, independence. I don't want to be independent. I need help and it's okay to need help. They kind of have, I have in my mind as even when I was younger, like an independent, strong black woman. I don't ever want to be an independent, strong black woman because it is okay to need help. And I feel like we need to accept that. I don't want to have to do certain things by myself. I don't want to have to just be the caretaker. I don't want to just have emotional restraint and my kids not see me crying. I don't want to do that.
0: You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like some old slave shit. Like you had to restrain your emotions. You couldn't let them see you upset, angry, sad. You had to... Be there for your kids. They probably didn't took your man and did who knows what with him. So you don't have no help. You don't have no support. You have to be strong. You have to carry it all.
1: Fuck no. It's like, you don't have a choice. That's kind of what it is. It's like, yeah. oh, you to be a strong black woman because you don't have a choice. And it's we like, no. fucking
0: human <laughs> emotional
1: restraint.
0: Yes, you can be in control of your emotions, but you feel, you release, you display, like you don't. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it because it just plays. It always makes me think about how it plays into the role of like the broken black family and how they took the black men out of the home in order for black women to get government assistance and all of Mm. that. Mm. And it's like, it's just the trickle of that. It keeps going. It's like, no, 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 no. Hmm. Let's 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 rebuild our families. Let's put this back together because it wasn't meant for it to be this way, for right. us to feel this way, for us to be carrying these loads alone. Yeah. Right.
1: And I just googled what is a strong black man, and it kind of seems like it has a little bit of more of an updated terminology or definition. They give all these things and it's saying, like, be man enough to celebrate a woman and understand the importance of community, have the courage of your convictions and never hesitate to educate yourself. Like, why can't we have those same definitions of a strong black woman? Yeah. Well, I personally, I feel like y'all yeah, do.
0: But for me, I personally take the word strong black woman and change the narrative of it. I accept and I embrace it with positivity, not the negativity that's put on it. I'm fine with being a strong Black woman, having a strong Black man and building together and building together and being a great power couple at the end of the day. So I just choose to make the, the word in the positive light instead of the negative light that everybody wants to. I feel like strong Black women can still cry. We still go through things. And when you're strong, strong people ask for help. Strong people don't just not, they ask for help. They get help from the people that's surrounding them that's important to them. I feel what you're saying, but I still don't accept it. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, oh yes, you can be strong, but the whole thing around that strong Black woman is not highlighting strength in that way. Yeah. It's really about your struggle the independence, the lack of the male presence, you being completely out of balance with your feminine natures. And because it's just like what obviously we, everybody knows we're strong. We're black women. We're the mother of civilization. But Like I said, it's perspective. So you get people. The word became a word because of people perspective. So you just change the perspective of how people see strong black women. And I feel like every woman is a strong Black woman, period. I, I, it doesn't matter the struggle or what. I feel like every woman is a strong Black woman. Strong, to me, doesn't mean weak. It means you are strong. You stand for something. You are something, and you don't. Yeah, and I, yeah. I agree with that. Like, we we strong. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA, of mm-hmm. course. We are strong. Like I said, we are the fucking mothers of civilization. Mm-hmm. civilization. We were first, Mm -hmm. so it's our birthright. Yeah, we strong, Mm -hmm. but they make it. They're uh, that's not what they're insinuating with the strong black woman. Yeah, they make it like it's a compliment, but it's a like a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, you pretty well. That's why you like they. They make it as a backhanded when create you create your own narrative to be something better than that. So I "Mm black strong and put emphasis on what strong black woman means.
1: Yeah. And I really feel what you're saying too, Jerica, because we honestly have to change the narrative for mm-hmm. a lot of definitions that are given to us as Black women and Black mm-hmm. people in general. But ideally, when people do say strong Black women, it is very negative, negative. most of the time. Mm-hmm. But I very much agree with you that we need to change the narrative, but I don't think the narrative is changed yet. But also with the narrative of like single mother. When people think single mother, they can kind of put like a negative narrative on that. It's mm-hmm. like you have to turn that around and change it because there are so many women who are single mothers because that benefits them so mm-hmm. much better than being in a two parent household. Okay. Or they don't want to be married. Some people really don't want to
0: be married, some people wanted to just have a kid. And be a single parent. And yes, so exactly.
1: <laughs> and also changing the narrative of the word nigga. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Black people, we have had to and are still probably going to have to change the narrative of so, like, literally everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. So. so that, and that's something that I wish we could do as a whole, as a whole Black mm-hmm. community all over the world. Let's start changing the narrative. See, the
0: problem starts in our own backyard because yeah. every other culture works together.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. And it's so, that is so true. <laughs> and it's so sad because when you think about, look, this going to get me, y'all know I could get deep on some of these topics. <laughs> when you think about the Asian community, I don't know if y'all like mm-hmm. studied up on this or whatever, but when you think about the Asian community, there's this thing that they do where there may be like an Asian or Chinese family who may have like a, a nail salon, they'll have mm-hmm. their family come over. They'll all get together and save up for their family to come over and work in that nail salon or work in whatever business they have until they can afford to get their own business. And it's like, they support them doing that. When it comes to the Black community, that is very rare.
0: It's so much competition and nobody wants to help the next person get to it. It's enough for everybody to have. If we work together, how much further we will be in life? How much further we can do too many cultures work together and we are the ones fighting each other and that is sad and not to make an excuse for us but we have to remember and i i want us to be so much better we are in the age of information where you can learn so much about yourself your history start taking charge of your life and healing some of this shit but we have deep generational trauma as black people of all the shit that happened to us and how they put us against each other and made us look at each other like enemies because Mm. we didn't, this was not our nature. Like, (laughs) they brought us over here and we had to fucking survive. We was holding each other down. We was working together. But through times, they used different tactics and things to manipulate our minds in the way that Mm -hmm. we look at one another. And so our community is still fucked up from that shit and we got a lot yes. of stuff to work on. But yes. it's like, I feel what y'all are saying. Like, I wish this whole crabs in a barrel shit was dead. Like, yeah. Because it holds us back. I literally was just listening to this woman talk about this professor of some college. It was like this college math class. And it was like, it was this hard class. It was a good school. You To be in that school, you had to... Be smart, essentially. Like it's not easy. And so the professor was trying to figure out why all the Black students were failing out of the class. Like all of the other students, the Asians and the other students were doing well, and he couldn't understand why the Black students were failing. And it wasn't that they weren't smart or they couldn't get it, but he said that he wanted to observe them while they were studying so that he could understand what was going on. And what he found was when the Asian people started, they all got together and studied and did their work. The Black people were doing it independently. And that's why they were failing. When we can come together and be a community and help one another, then we win.
1: No, seriously. And that is just so, I'm so glad that you said that, Kia, because when it comes to so many things that we lack and we struggle with as a Black community or African-Americans, as they say, whatever, Everything stems back to slavery, literally, when it comes to texturism, when it comes to colorism, when it comes to how well we're doing in like schools, at certain aspects. It's just kind of like we were not even meant to strive from the very beginning. And it's kind of like anything that they could have done to like put us against each other, even 400 years ago with slavery, even further back than that, anything they could do in any aspect of life where we could succeed. They want to put us against each other. And and that kind of brings me back to like the colorism and the texturism thing. It was seen back then. If you're lighter with less coarse hair, you're better. And if you're darker with more curly or tight coiled hair, you're less than. And that's still a big thing today. But when do we stop making our history a crit? And that's so true because me personally, I've done that. But how can we do that as a community, as a whole? We have to
0: start making changes and and working together. That's how you start. You have to start working together and stop being so angry. People, our people treat white people so much better than they treat their own kind. Because we were conditioned that way. We were fucking conditioned that way. I get that. But my thing is the people... At some point, we have to take accountability for our own actions. Okay, we were we were conditioned like yeah. that, but okay, at this day and age, take accountability for your own action. There's no way I should be able to walk down the street and not say hello to you and you don't say hello back. I didn't do anything to you. I didn't sleep with you last night. I didn't... Stuff like that has to change in our
1: community or we're going to forever be stuck in the same positions that we are. I think the real question is how, because me, Jerrica, and Nakia, us on this podcast, I could say that for us in our household, we're probably changing the narrative. But what about our neighbors? What about our friends? Like, what can we do to change the narrative? Because no matter how we think or how we want our friends and family to think, it still is just like the Black community is just so much more than us. So the real Mm -hmm. question is like, what can we do to change the narrative?
0: It really does start with us. Like, it starts with your own awareness. And that's, that's what I, I think. Part of the problem is, is a lot of yes, we know there's problems, but a lot wow. of people don't understand the depth of our problems. They don't understand why they are the way they are. Why we? It's like you have to get in touch with that. You can't heal where you in a place that you don't even know is broken. And I feel like a start is where we are now. We're on a platform having the conversation about it. So I feel like. If people of influence or people with platforms have more conversations about it, then it reaches. Social media is the all be all now. That has to be something that continually talked about every day. It has to be a conversation. It has to be some type of I don't know, euphoria. Something has to happen because we're suffering, like, for real. Yeah, definitely. We have to use our platforms, like you said, and have these conversations. And like Katrina said, like within our households, we have to start making those changes. It starts with each each individual and it expands to the collective. So if everybody doing, do everybody doing what they're supposed to do in their household, collectively, we are going to be better and we're just going to get better with time. But we
1: have to, you got to start cleaning up our own house. Yeah. And it definitely, it definitely will take time. Sadly, it might even take generations because yeah. I feel like my mom kind of taught her children that, but my grandma may not have necessarily, she was born in a time where it wasn't really yet okay to be teaching, teaching your children certain stuff. So I feel like with generations, it will get better. But also, like you said, Jerrica, social media is the biggest thing popping right now. People with platforms, celebrities, people with that voice, with that presence have to start making a change because it's like people with influence. You have people on TikTok with 10 million followers and they on there doing dances when they can really be talking about something that matters.
0: Yeah. And I really do. I think it's going to get better in time. It's going to take generations. just like it took generations to get us in this fucked up place because we we're not always fucked up, but it's going to take time for us to heal and to progress. And I feel like with social media, like I was saying, this being the age of information and you can get access to so much shit, now this is where it truly begins. Like We are the ones who are truly beginning to change. We are raising our kids differently. We are making ourselves more aware about what's going on in the world or why we are the way we are. And I think, like I said, it's just over time, as we get our households in order, we get our community in order. And it's just going gonna, gonna to happen in time. But we also have to give ourselves. We have to give grace to ourselves as a community because we have been through a lot, and we so quick to talk down about the shit that we do wrong. What about the shit that we do right? Like, yeah, we yeah. have a long way to go, but we are gonna get there. And I mean, it'd be frustrating as fuck and to live through this or to see where we feel like we could do better or be better at. But we just gotta. Do our part and just let the universe, die. whoever just takes her to rest. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. how I
1: feel. Yeah, it definitely starts with us. You know how they always say change starts with you. Cliche, whatever, but it's it's so true. When it comes to anything, change does start with you. Starts with you. Starts with your household. So what my mom taught me and my siblings, we're starting. To, I'm teaching that to my children, and my siblings are teaching that to their children, on to the next generation. So. Things will change with time is all I can say.
0: I just want to throw this because i just heard somebody say this last night. And I'm like, that's a really good idea that I would like to start with Javery. A family, they call it a family Bible, but like a family book, a family journal. You write down what are the things that are important to you guys? What are you striving for? What do you believe in? Who are you? How do you treat people? Recipes. Uh, stories from, generate a book. Put all this down so that your family has a manual for how we move as a family. Mm. I like that.
1: That's good. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, again, another awesome episode.
1: You guys impress me every time. Yes. Same for you ladies. I love always being able to be open and honest with my sisters. We all have sometimes a difference of opinion, but it all just comes Comes together at the end. It makes sense. I love that. For yeah. Us. And it's all love. Like, we don't have to agree on everything, but we can have open
0: healthy second conversations. And I love y'all because this be good. This be like good. very therapeutic. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Backbone family, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Backbone Podcast.